All right, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 27 and put your finger there. And once you found Deuteronomy chapter 27, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. That's where we're going to begin today. 1 Peter chapter 2. So our Torah portion for this week is called Kitavo. And we only have a few Torah portions left before we have actually went through the entire five books of Moses. And because it's not a leap year, we've had a lot of double portions. So next week is a double portion, and I think there's two more Torah portions and we're done. But we're going to have that interlude of the High Holy Days where we're going to be doing some uh, different sermons uh, that's really not focused on the Torah portion, but more uh, holiday-focused. So Kitavo means when you come, and it spans the passages of Deuteronomy chapter 26 to Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 8. But we're going to pick it up in 27, but before that we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 2. So uh, as you're turning there, I'm going to uh, read a blessing over the reading of the word. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your Torah. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There was a day and time in the United States and Canada where virtually everywhere you went, whether it be a courthouse, whether it be a government building, post office, whether it be a school, even people's homes, you would see displayed the Ten Commandments. But oh no, we can't have that. We can't have something good, wholesome, and moral being shoved down people's throats. So the, the powers that be have removed the Ten Commandments from government buildings, from schools, from places of worship. Um, so the Ten Commandments, what were they there for? The Ten Commandments were there as a reminder to always keep before our eyes our moral obligation to each other and to God, how to be a holy, successful, civilized community uh, by the way we treat each other and by the way we have our relationship with God. Now, Ten Commandments, the display of the Ten Commandments publicly also kind of remind me of historical monuments. So we have historical monuments in Massachusetts. We have historical monuments in Washington, D.C., and in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But there is a difference between the monuments of the pilgrims and the monuments of the quote-unquote founding fathers. Now, Kirk Cameron of Growing Pains, uh, he made a documentary called Monumental, and his focus was on the forgotten monuments of the pilgrims. Those were our true founding fathers because the pilgrims went over the ocean due to religious persecution. Instead of following the state religion, they wanted to be able to worship God freely by their own conscience and by the word of God alone. So the pilgrims came over here on the Mayflower and, and other boats in order to, um, to uh, have religious freedom. And they ended up putting up monuments that are now tearing down and breaking down and that are weed covered and they're in residential neighborhoods but are, have just been long been forgotten and people want to focus on the monuments that the founding fathers uh, put up. Now I want to tell you that that like I said things aren't always as they appear. 
people will want to say that the founding fathers were Christian. They were not Christian. They were deists. Deists are a little bit different than Christian. And there's a documentary by the Fall Brothers, F-A-U-L, the Fall Brothers, called Belly of the Beast. And it really shows how these monuments of the Founding Fathers appear Christian, but they really have an underlying pagan root to them. And it's, that's really, really sad. So today I want to talk about monuments. And the title of today's message is Out of Sight, Out of Mind. I'm the type of guy that sometimes I have to have something in front of me in order to remind me. And if it's not there, I'm going to forget about it. You know, and guys are pretty good at that. I mean, guys have such a hard time. We can't even see what's in front of us. We can open up the refrigerator and say, honey, where's the milk? And it's right there and we can't find it. And then they come in and they say, well, there it is. And you're like, oh man, if it was a snake, it would have bit me. So monuments are very important. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, First uh, Peter, chapter two, four and five. As you come to Him, as you come to God, a living stone rejected by men but chosen by God. A living stone. Stones are used as building materials. In the Old Testament, they were used to build altars. They were uncut, unhewn stones. They were used to build the temple, but but they were uh, uh, quarried somewhere else and and uh, fitted somewhere else. And then they were brought to the temple and they were silently put together because you didn't have to have a chisel and a hammer to make them fit into place. They were always, they were prefabbed, if you will. But yet here it's talking about us people being living stones. As you come to him as a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Now, none of us here are cookie-cutter individuals. We're all different. We come from different walks of life. We're different genders. Uh, some of us are different ethnicities. We come from different religious backgrounds, different upbringings. We're different uh, socioeconomic status, different ages. So we're kind of like these rough, uncut, unhewn stones. And, you know, you're like, well, what can you build out of that? What can you build out of this rough stuff? But God, like a mosaic, puts all of us weird, wonky pieces together and makes us fit and builds a church out of us. It's a great misnomer that a church is a building. It's not. A church is the people. That's what makes up the church. It's the people. So again, it says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Messiah Yeshua. And what does Romans 12, 1 and 2 say? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship, which fits right along well here with 1 Peter 2, uh, 2 5, where it says, A holy priesthood offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Messiah Yeshua. So the sacrifice is ourself. When we exude our blood, sweat, and tears working for the Lord, serving other people, whether it be cleaning up our church or our harvest house, or whether it be making a meal for somebody who's lost a loved one, whether it be sending an email or a phone call or dropping by for a visit with somebody who's having a hard time, or using our gifts and talents and our creativity to help somebody else, 
singing a special, giving a testimony, that's using our bodies as a living sacrifice. And when we move and act and, and, and move around, we are exuding sweat. We are exuding, we, we are exuding fat and blood and sometimes our tears. And those are the very things that were offered on the altar was the blood of animals, the fat of animals. Because when you burn calories, you're burning fat. And salt was always put on the sacrifice, which represents our tears. Our sacrifice is also a sacrifice of praise. And when it becomes a true sacrifice of praise is not when everything's going great, but when everything's going crappy and spinning around the toilet bowl. When you don't feel like praising God and you praise him anyway, that is a sacrifice of praise. When Job lost everything and he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. When David lost his child, his first child with Bathsheba, he went to the house of God to worship. I'm sure, they, I'm sure Job and David didn't want to, but they did and it was a sacrifice of praise. When we pray, it's a sacrifice, especially if we're praying not for ourselves, but for somebody else. That is our spiritual priesthood. That is our spiritual sacrifice and act of worship. So let's go to our Torah portion, to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy chapter 27, and we're going to read verses 4 through 8. So 1 Peter 2 talks about us as being living stones, which in a sense, if we're all fitted together, we can be a living monument. When you go to a monument, you look at a monument, and it tells you why it's there. This is to honor an individual, or this is to honor a historical event, or this is to remind us of a great truth. So when we are living stones, and we're living monuments walking around our public forum, people see us, and we're able to give a testimony by our lives. We're living monuments. So we read in Deuteronomy chapter 27 about monuments. So in 27, beginning with verse 4, now, remember, this is the very last speech of Moses before he goes off and dies and Joshua takes over and the children of Israel enter the promised land. And this all happens on Moses's birthday. So in Deuteronomy chapter 27, beginning with verse four, it says, now when you cross over the Jordan, which means they're going into the promised land, they're going without Moses. You are to set up these stones about which I'm commanding you today on Mount Ebal. And coat them with plaster. There also you will build an altar to Adonai your God, an altar of stones. You are not to use an iron tool on them. You are to build the altar of Adonai your God of whole stones, and you are to offer up burnt offerings on it to Adonai your God. You are to sacrifice fellowship offerings and eat there, and you will rejoice before Adonai your God. Now, these stones, you are to write on these stones all the words of this Torah very clearly. So the way they built monuments back then is they just took stones, covered them with plaster, and wrote on the plaster whatever they wanted to say. So God's word, the Torah, was put on these stones. And so it was a monument. So a monument, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If the monument's not there... We're not going to remember what we're supposed to remember. It's easier to remember if we have something physical and tangible that we could see, feel, and touch in order to remind us of things. So we're fallen and we're easily distracted. And it's easy for us to forget. Have you ever heard of the term, it went down the memory hole? And it's usually, it's talking about the news. 
You know, a year ago, the news said certain things. But a year passes by, and you forget what they said a year ago, and yet they're saying something totally opposite, totally contradictory, totally different. And yet people don't realize it because why? It went down the memory hole. They forget what politicians did. They forget what celebrities did. All they have to do is have a good uh, marketing PR person, and if they did something bad, just let a couple weeks, a couple months pass by, and you totally forget what they did. And you forget how, how rotten and how crooked and how bad and how evil these people are because all of a sudden they're in the spotlight doing something good. And the bad thing they did goes down the memory hole. We can't forget about things that have happened in the past because those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Now, some people may think that I'm uh, petty or trivial, but I will not uh, frequent a restaurant that locked me out during COVID. They said, no, you can't eat here unless you have a COVID passport. It says, oh, so basically, you know, that's just like saying, you know, 50, 80 years ago, because I'm Jewish or because I'm black, I can't come into this establishment. That's basically what you're saying with the COVID passport. So if my money wasn't good then, it's not good now, and I'm not going to give my money to them. I'm not going to forget what happened. I'm not going to forget what they did to me because they're going to try to do it again. Just wait and see. So I fixed a monument in my mind. It's not a matter of, have you? oh, you, you're a Christian. You're a believer. You should forgive them. It's not a matter of forgiveness. It's a matter of remembering the past so you're not doomed to repeat it. That's what it is about. So it's easy for us to, to forget, and the news media banks on our short-term memory. They, they bank on the memory hole. You know. Um, so, for example... Quebec, what, what does it say on their license plate? Je me souviens. What does that mean? I remember, or we remember. So they want, the, the, their license plate is a monument. All Quebecers are supposed to remember something. That's why it says that on the license plate. Now, the 9-11 monuments, etched on that is never forget. On the Holocaust memorials, what's etched on that is never forget. Up at the center of town in front of the, the post office, the cenotaph, what does it say? Lest we forget. Because our forefathers, our founding fathers, knew the human propensity to forget things. And we see this all the time with famous people. They come from very humble beginnings. They get really famous. They get a big head. And they totally forget where they came from. And they treat everybody like crap. See, I mean, okay. I know everybody knows I love MMA. <laughs> and one reason I like George St. Pierre so much is because he was just this chubby little fat kid who was bullied when he was little. And even though he's buff, big, trained, a mighty MMA fighter, he's never forgot where he came from. So I've never seen him treat an opponent disrespectfully. Even if they talk trash about him, he never talked trash about his opponent. I've never seen him mistreat a fan or, or a, 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 a fellow person. Why? Because he remembers where he came from. He doesn't forget his origins. And so that's why it's important for us to remember. It's important for us to set up monuments because as fallen human beings, we are so easily prone to forget things. And if we forget things, then somebody can get one on over us again. So 1 Samuel 7.12 says this, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Sheen, and named it Ebenezer. Remember in the hymn we just sung? I raise my Ebenezer. Ebenezer means stone of help. 
or stone of remembrance. So then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Sheen and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, Adonai has helped us. So every time a prayer is answered in your life, set up a memorial. Get a journal and write down your prayer requests and then write down when God answers them. And the next time you get down or discouraged or feel defeated or feel like God's far away or like God's not going to help, you can look back on those times and say, oh, I remember. Whenever Israel went out to war, what, what did the priests and the commanding officers, what story did they repeat over and over and over? Remember how the Lord delivered us from Egypt. Remember how he defeated the Egyptian gods. Remember the plagues. That is the most told story in all of scripture is the exodus from Egypt. Because Israel is not to forget where it came from, not to forget that God rescued them from slavery and bondage in miraculous mighty ways by defeating the Egyptian gods through the plagues. So there was an Ebenezer, a memorial set up in their hearts and minds. So every time they went out to battle, that story was repeated to give them encouragement. And if we keep a journal of all the times the Lord has answered our prayers or a miracle has happened in our life, we can look back on the times and remember how faithful God has been. I just spent uh, just last month uh, writing my autobiography. Because I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm 50. I really don't have that much time, maybe 30 years at best, and they'll go by pretty quick. And I don't want to forget what the Lord has done in my life, and I want something to pass down to my daughter so that she can know me a little bit better and pass it on to our grandchildren if, if we're so blessed to be grandparents one day. And uh, it's, it's kind of like my Ebenezer. And I, I, I wrote and got it all finished, and the Lord said, no, go back. You forgot a story. Remember when I did this? Remember when this happened? So I kept going back and editing this autobiography, putting in more things and thinking, wow, okay, I, oh, I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me, Lord. And it really gave me an appreciation to actively see how the Lord has been working all through my life, even in my childhood when, in times when I really didn't focus on God. And so we need to, to uh, raise Ebenezer's in our life. Judaism raises Ebenezer's in many different ways. For instance, the zitzit, commanded by all the children of Israel to attach to the four corners of their garments. I've got a more modern way. It's like this little pouch that I hang on my belt, but it's four-cornered. It's fulfilling the commandment. But the zitzit remind me of the mighty name and the word of God. It reminds me of God's laws, and it reminds me of the authority of God's name. And so it's a constant reminder. And I've told this story, and I'll tell it again, but there was this rabbi who just was totally infatuated with this prostitute knew he couldn't be with her knew it was wrong but he just couldn't stop thinking about her and he was scheming and planning and plotting on how to secretly be with this prostitute that he was so infatuated with so one day he figured out finally how to do it and hopefully not get caught so he he goes to her place and she's ready to go he's all excited he starts tearing off his clothes and he tore off his garment that had the zit seat on it, and the zit seat slapped him in the face, and he froze. And he says, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry to waste your time. I, I can go ahead and pay you, but I can't go through with this. And she's like, why? Is there something wrong with me? Am I not beautiful? Do you not desire me? No, 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 no. I really want this. I really, really want this. But see this garment? See this zit seat? And he explained the zit seat to her and what it meant. 
It was a reminder of God's commandments and God's laws. When I took this off, it slapped me in the face and it reminded me, I just can't do this. I've got to be faithful to God, not to my desires. That impressed that prostitute so much that she gave up her profession, she converted to Judaism, and her and the rabbi ended up getting married. So uh, that's just one example. A mezuzah is another Ebenezer of Judaism. A mezuzah is a cylindrical type of uh, um, you know, tube. Could be made of glass, wood, metal, and scripture passages are put in it, and it's affixed to the doorframe because the commandment is, is write these commandments on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. So every time a Jew passes through the every door of their house, except the bathroom, there's no mezuzah on the bathroom for obvious reasons, they see the mezuzah, they touch the they they kiss their fingers and touch the mezuzah out of respect. And it constantly reminds them of the word of God and of the commandments. Uh, another is the tefillin. Now, traditionally, the tefillin, and I've got a set at home. Maybe I'll bring it one day and show you how they're worn and show you the ritual of, of, of you know, all that's involved in that. But there are a black box affixed to the head with straps and a black box affixed to the arm with straps. Inside these boxes are the very scriptures commanding you to do that. And so the tefillin, we wear these during times of prayer, usually morning prayer. And so that's another type of Ebenezer. It's constantly a physical reminder of God's authority and God's word in our life. Now, a modern example of maybe Zitzit would be the WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? Why did people wear them? Because whenever they got in a sticky situation, they would look down at the wrist and see WWJD. Oh, yeah. What would Jesus do in this situation? It was like a modern day Zitzit. We can have other Ebenezers in our lives like you know, like uh, Al's thing is t-shirts. That's his Ebenezer. He's bought tons of t-shirts that we've put all over Harvest House, and they're Christian t-shirts to remind us of different aspects of our faith. So a t-shirt can be a witnessing tool, but it can be an Ebenezer for ourselves, a stone of remembrance to keep our heart and mind focused where it needs to be because we get distracted by troubles, trials, tribulations, worries, you know, things that are happening. Um, another thing that can be an Ebenezer is a lot of ladies like to put plaques in their homes with like scripture verses like, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, that passage from Joshua. Uh, and then the, there'll be plaques or there'll be religious paintings or religious pictures on the wall. That can be a type of Ebenezer. Posters can be a type of Ebenezer. That's kind of Harvest's house thing. We've got a lot of Christian faith-themed posters on the wall here that are constant reminders. Fridge magnets. Uh, lock screens and screensavers on our computers and our tablets and our phones can be a type of Ebenezer to where we can always have a reminder of, of the authority of God's name and his word constantly before us. Because the further we get from it, we forget about it. And as even as powerful as our fallen nature is and our bodies need for, for, for survival that we you know get hungry and we eat, we can get so involved in something and our body may be screaming, hey, eat something, dummy. I'm about to pass out. But we ignore it because we're totally into what we're into, and we forget about even eating. So how much more so spiritually do we need Ebenezer's to remind us to spiritually eat, to remind us to stay faithful to God, to remind us that God is always watching over us, to remind us to get into his word? If not, it goes down the memory hole. That's building in us, like what you're saying. He's building in us a living of it. Yeah. Not necessarily a that associate. Yeah, and when we come together, right, when we come together as believers, we make the body of Christ makes up the church. 
and we become a living monument, a living Ebenezer. Uh, another type of Ebenezer uh, in the modern day is like uh, jewelry and bracelets. Many of you are wearing crosses. I'm wearing a Star of David with a cross in the middle of it. I'm wearing a lot of uh, religious-themed, faith-themed bracelets. I'm wearing a type of tefillin. It's a homemade tefillin. It's not kosher, but it's the same thing. It's a little, it's a little leather pouch that I fix to my hand, and inside that pouch is scriptures. So it's it's an Ebenezer. It's a it's a tefillin. Um, a religious sculptures and artwork kind of also remind us. So there's a lot of different Ebenezers in our lives that we can place in different strategic areas of our lives to keep our hearts and minds focused and our hearts and minds straight. Um, my train of thought just jumped the track there. <laughs> Happens sometimes. Maybe that's a sign that I'm getting old. Hey, I'm, I just turned 50, so train has left the station. But Ebenezers, where we have to have something, to, we have to have living monuments. To constantly remind us, oh, I remember what I was going to say, talk about that journal. I challenge you, this coming Hebraic year, you know, this fall, go to the dollar store and get a journal and keep it with your Bible. And, you know, what if you're reading scripture, write down what you feel the Lord is telling you about that scripture. Write down your prayer request and put a date on it. And when the Lord answers that, then you can go back and put a date when it was answered and how God answered it. And this could be a type of Eben, a living stone for you, a type of Ebenezer to help build your faith. Now, there's some monumental things that happened when I was little that drew me closer to God. They may have seemed really childish, may have seemed immature, but the Lord knew my childlike heart and he knew that I needed that Ebenezer. He knew I needed that touchstone moment with him to build my faith. Now, I remember one time when I was little, I wanted to get up at a certain time so I could watch cartoons. And I literally prayed, Lord, wake me up at this exact time so I could watch cartoons. I woke up one Saturday morning, ran to the clock, and it was the exact time. And I thought as a little kid, God cares. God answered my prayer. You know? And, and I mean, that seems like, oh, that's coincidence. No, it helped build my faith and my trust in God as a little child. And so it's little things like that that build our faith. And we need to uh, make Ebenezer's of those moments where God touches us, speaks to us, answers our prayers, uh, performs a miracle in our life so that we can always go back to those times when we start straying, we start forgetting, things start going down the memory hole. Life gets busy with troubles, trials, tribulations, and persecutions, and we get down and discouraged. We need to return to those Ebenezer's, whether it be a journal, whether it be a t-shirt, whether it be a poster, whether it be a plaque, whether it be mezuzah or tzitzit or tefillin or religious jewelry that brings our hearts and minds back to the reality that God is in control. He's still on the throne. He's a promise keeper. He's a covenant keeper. He's true to his word. He's still a miracle working God and we still have a mission to perform. That's probably the greatest thing we forget because in the Western world, it's all about me, all about the unholy Trinity, me, myself, and I. You know, a lot of people don't go to church to serve the Lord. They go to church. What can I get out of it? Oh, I don't want to go to that church. Their band sucks and I don't feel anything. Oh, I don't want to go to that church because, you know, th that pastor's boring. I don't want to go here because I don't get anything out of it. Well, it's not about you, and it's not about getting something out of it. You only get out of the service what you put into it. And you're there to serve the Lord, not serve yourself. Even Yeshua said, I didn't come to serve myself. I came to serve other people. And that's our example. I, I, I go to God. That's why I don't serve the pastor. Right. 
You go to serve the I Lord. I the pastor, yes, but in Darby, no. Yeah. So I'd give them, but I don't go where to. We say, oh, what a pastor did preach a good message. I ain't going next week. Well, like you said, you only get out of it what you put into it. You pour your heart out to God, that message will speak to your heart. That's right. You know, even you know, even if he's not the greatest order in the world, every time, like sometimes I'll be honest, I'll go to a sermon or, or, or to a service and I'll be like, okay, well, you know, this guy's not my favorite. But it's like, it's not about what I think of this person. It's not about this person's oratory talent. It's like, okay, what did the Lord tell him to tell me? I'm going to listen intently. And if I can just even take one thing from it, it'll be worth it. Just take one thing away from it. It'll be worth it. And so this is this message out of sight, out of mind. is just a constant reminder to collect things and put things and gather things in our lives. That's constantly pointing us in the direction of God, constantly reminding us of him and his salvation, his word, uh, you know, his his good works in our life so that we can be encouraged and not discouraged when those times come. And we're just flooded by from attack flooded by things of this world and we can kind of stay focused and stay on track all right uh let me go ahead and close in a word of prayer and then close with a liturgical blessing father we're so weak and frail as fallen human beings and just like that hymn that we sung you know lord uh, my heart is prone to wander prone to wander lord i feel it and then the hymn, the, uh, the hymn writer said, Lord, you know, grace, like a fetter, bind my wandering soul to thee or my wandering heart to thee. Father, I pray that you would just help us to keep our heart and our mind and our focus on you, on your son and on your word. That the Holy Spirit be that, that supernatural reminder, that teacher, that guide, that check engine light in our spirit to keep us on track because it's so easy to get distracted by persecution, by troubles, by trials, by tribulations, by unexpected things that come in our life, sickness and disease, tragedies. But Lord, help us to set up Ebenezer's in our life. And maybe we can have a a spiritual leader as an Ebenezer to to, to remind us um, to go to for advice, to go to for prayer, to go to for encouragement. Maybe it's, maybe it's a special uh, spiritual book or a, or, a, or a special painting or a special picture or a special piece of jewelry that means something, but something that's going to constantly remind us of your faithfulness and of your goodness so that all the great things you've done in our life, all the prayers that have been answered in our life doesn't go down the memory hole and, and we get sucked into the, 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 the swamp of despondency as it was talked about in the Pilgrim's Progress. Lord, I pray that that you would just challenge us to keep a journal so that we can keep track of what you tell us when we read your word, that we can keep track of the prayers that you answer and the great things you do in our life so that when we do, when it's out of sight, out of mind, when we feel so overwhelmed, we can go back to that journal and it could be a source of strength to say, okay, I remember when God did this. I remember when God did that. What gave the children of Israel the courage to go out into battle when they were outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered? When they were facing giants, they remembered how faithful God was when they didn't do a thing to to get themselves free from Egypt. God fought for them 100% through the plagues. They didn't have to lift a finger. And just as God brought them through Egypt, he knows that he's going to bring them through that battle if they remain faithful to him. So, Lord, get us into the spiritual construction business. 
Get us into the spiritual construction business of building monuments, of building Ebenezer's in our life, so that no matter where we walk, where we go in our life, we can always run into a monument that reminds us of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, of God's power, of God's answer to prayer, to help us to stay on track. Also use this as witnessing tools to to witness to others, to encourage other believers, and also to witness to, to lost souls, to let them know that there is a God in Israel. Father, we love you, and we praise you, and we ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her.